This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? Every person in this room has the perfect motive. Stand back! For murder. What do you mean? Murder. But only one of these suspects is the murderer. Is it the timid Mr. Green? Or the militant Colonel Mustard? Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. Miss Scarlet, who's helped many men along the way. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined to enjoy myself. Or did the butler do it? BFM 89.9. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. And today it's a throwback that, uh, you know, could have been done last week with Pale Blue Eye, could have been done um, in December when we talked about a Knives Out mystery, Glass Onion. Uh, But we've been waiting a long time to throw back to 1985 and Clue. I was a gigantic Clue board game nerd when I was a kid. So um, I actually came by this through the board game. I played the games multiple times and then I realized there was a movie. I watched it as a kid. So I think this is this has a lot of nostalgia for me. The thing is, since watching it as a child, I haven't actually revisited it at all, maybe. I've probably watched clips. So watching it again for the first time in maybe a good two decades was so much fun. Um, it's... It's just such a fun film. Um, Clue is easily, I think, one of my all-time favorite comedies. Um, it's one of those movies that I discovered after watching uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you, you get from there and then you go and, and watch Airplane. And after Airplane, you watch Clue. Um, and it opened up like this whole new subgenre of comedy um, that this was in, right? It's all in the same basket. I think the best thing about Clue is that it's so easy to forget how everything plays out because of how convoluted and complicated the explanations are at the end. Um, and it's also kind of nonsensical, which makes it a lot of fun, I think. Um, but yeah, I, 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 if I had to name like some of the most rewatchable movies ever made, I think Clue is way up there in like the top 10 or top 5. Um, and it never, it never stops being funny, for me at least. So I really enjoyed Clue. I didn't watch it earlier on. I've, I know of its existence, but I think it, <laughs> Tim Curry is a loaded one because Pennywise and It. And so <laughs> like, despite the fact that I really appreciate him as an actor, and I think he's very talented, very funny, um, there wasn't a version when I was younger to watching things that Tim Curry was in because I'm like, at some point, he's gonna rip a kid's head off and then everyone will just be like, cool, that's normal. And so so I struggled with Tim Curry on screen for a bit. Anyway, all of which to say, um, I for for this review, I watched Clue for the first time ever. And it's a delight. It's really madcap and funny and frenetic and smart. Um, but I, having said all that, I'm also not surprised that when it was first released, it was so deeply unpopular and kind of disliked because I, I can see how watching it without the benefit of hindsight. Arvin, you said nonsensical. And I think that's kind of like Mm. both good and bad. It's part of what makes the movie so charming. Um, It's also part of what makes the movie maybe a little bit uh, potentially impenetrable. Yeah, so 
Watching it this time, and if I were to take a step back, I can understand why it wasn't popular, right? Because is it trying to be a mystery? Is it trying to be just madcap nonsense? Political is it, commentary. Yeah, is it supposed to be political commentary? Because the thing I didn't realise is that there's all this sort of veiled comments on McCarthyism and socialism, which completely went over my head as a kid. Um, because it's not even like Glass Onion, right? It's not... It, it doesn't have that kind of super solid mystery chops. It is actually closer to, as you said, Arvind, Dracula Dead and Loving It. And maybe if people had approached it with that vibe, they would have preferred it. Um, I also think it's not exactly for kids who were expecting the, the board game. Well, uh, is it for kids at all? Yes. I think is is a question. Mm. Worth I mean, asking. I certainly watched it as a kid and I enjoyed it, but that's because I was laughing and not so much because I know I expected them to be, for instance, looking the way the characters did in the board game, and they don't. So uh, there is so much in there that's not for kids, uh, <laughs> right? So much in <laughs> yes. there that, that, that you even realize, just the like, low necklines were making me a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Scarlet alone, as a character alone, yeah, no. makes it not okay. <laughs> No, no. Um, I also, I was really surprised to learn that the movie didn't do well when it came out. I literally got to know about that this week, like not even this week, like a few days ago <laughs> when, when reading up about the movie for this show, for this episode. Um, I, it became like a cult favorite and then it only recently started getting like very popular for some reason, like who knows, right? Um, I think reading that made me realize why so many people I've talked to about this movie have either never heard of Clue um, and the ones who have seen it either don't remember very much from the movie, uh, like it didn't it didn't make a dent, or they don't like it very much. Um, like, can you guys understand that? Like, like after seeing it and after watching the movie, um, like, do you bump into this movie a lot outside of this of our popcorn circle? No, no, I don't think so. Um, the mm. only people I know who talk about it are my childhood friends and siblings who played the game with me. And watch the movie. Mm. I've only heard about it in relation to uh, the whodunits, right? Whenever a new whodunit comes up, then they might... And, and especially if it's, as many of them are, a locked box mystery. Uh, if you have an ensemble cast, which again is a hallmark of these sorts of films, then someone will bring up Clue. And so I knew about it in that context. I played the game. I've played the card game. Um, I clearly know Tim Curry. So all of that stuff, um, you know, was kind of ingrained in me so I knew of it but I it's a tough one right because on the one hand um, it is maybe something that's only achievable in this exact context like now if you try to do Clue again as there have been attempts to do it again I'm not sure it would have the same impact partly because maybe nobody knows what the board game is anyway so so there are things about it that feel specific to the 80s no, that's true. And and of course, it's made in the 80s, but it's set in the 1950s. Mm. And I think that's important too, because this notion of a group of people turning up at a house because they got an invitation um, and then not being able to leave the house, all of these feel of a particular era that wouldn't really work in today's landscape anymore. That said, watching this movie did make me wish that somebody would attempt a remake. And I don't say this about very many movies at all. Maybe because after The Glass Onion, I'm kind of ripe for like this vibe. Um, cautiously, I think I would say a remake would do this quite a lot of justice if they had the right people. Um, but I agree with you, Lynn, that I think it's just, it's kind of difficult to nail 
what exactly this movie was supposed to be. And maybe if you went to the cinema to watch it in the 80s, you probably wouldn't think it was worth your time. It is, however, a great TV film and it's a great rewatch film. Oh, um, I, I would want to see a remake, but only if it's set in the same time period. I think technology would mess up this whole story. Like once they start to introduce like, you know, smartphones and the internet, and you can just like Google everyone who's got the invitation or who's in the room. Um, I think that would like spoil or poke too many holes in the already nonsensical plot that this movie uh, has. The, I, I feel like the whole reason it works is because there's a complete lack of any kind of modern technology, mm. except for those like those dial up, those those phones, the ones <laughs> that they had to like literally like rotate. Um, without all of that, it would it would just be another glass onion. I think that's not a bad thing, but I feel this is way better than a glass onion or even a knives out. Ooh, that is a very big shout. Mm. Um, Mm -mm. So I think at this point, um, we've been carrying on. Sorry, this is my bad. Uh, We've been carrying on as if everybody knows what Clue is. But uh, it is based on the board game, uh, but it isn't about the board game because the board game itself has no inherent story. But as you mentioned earlier, Sharmila, a group of strangers or seeming strangers are brought to a mansion in the middle of nowhere. They're given pseudonyms um, which match up to the names, you know, your Colonel Mustards, your Professor Plums. And then they are gathered and slowly a sort of tangled web of connections becomes clear. There is a butler, Wadsworth, um, who's also there to help or maybe hinder what they're supposed to do and at some point a murder takes place and they have to try and simultaneously save themselves as well as figure out what's happening before it's too late, right? That That's kind of it. Yes, that covers it really well. Actually. But famously, <laughs> there are three different endings and, and so I think mm. that this was something that um, again maybe hindered it a little bit in the cinema release because in its first run, depending on where you watched it, you might have had a different ending um, and now they've got, now the way that they've put it together is as a here's what, how how did they put it? Here's what here's what might have happened, here's what could have happened I think. And how then, about this? And how about this? Yeah. 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 How it might yeah. have happened, how about this and then here's what really happened yeah. and, and oh. there was supposed to be a fourth ending and then they scrapped that. <laughs> so I think it's actually really worth saying that the director for this, Jonathan Lin, his body of work includes Yesminster, uh, my cousin Vinny, mm. you know, so that's the vibe that he's coming at this from. And you can see it now. And again, so much that I'm realizing in the DNA of this film as an adult that as a kid just went over my head. So I don't know whether this was ever meant to be a serious um, mystery type thing. The other thing I thought was, Firstly, even the idea of let's make a movie inspired by a board game. And then what is that movie going to be? This is actually the best version of a movie that could come from a board game, I think, because it's not it's not slavishly beholden to the board game, but it certainly has all the things that a fan would recognize. So the importance of the rooms and, and the way the, the movie uses the space, you know, uh, running from the, the hall to the lounge to the kitchen to the secret passage. Literally running. Literally running. <laughs> um, the emphasis on the weapons and how those are used within the script and um, how you're not sure who used what where. And all of these things are so cool if you're a fan of the board games. But... It also doesn't let the board game weigh the story down. There's actually a clever story at the heart of this. And that impressed me. Oh, But at the end of, you know, all that being said, right, I think it is really like an acquired taste uh, thing. 
because the humor is so dry and it and it demands a lot from the people watching it it sometimes it's dry sometimes it's dark um, a bit weird and sometimes um, it's slaps uh, plastic it's slapstick <laughs> Slapstick, so slapstick. Um, And a lot of it is like subtle body language and clever wordplay and puns and dialogue, right? So it's really one of those movies that you play on like a a rainy Friday night or or just to be cozy at home, right? But it's also the kind of movie that if you have a second screen or if you're distracted or if you're getting off your sofa to do other things, so much of the humor is lost. I think like so much of the detail and the effect of the movie is gone if you're not paying like full attention. So it's not an easy movie. I don't think it's an easy movie just to breeze by. Like you have to you have to focus a bit. We're talking today about 1985's Clue, uh, throwing back to this after many delays in our scheduling. I, I don't mind telling you, we've been trying to do this one for six months or something. So anyways, um, have you watched Clue? Do you enjoy it? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Bodacious, fabulous minds. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Again? Why would anyone want to kill him twice? Unless he wasn't dead before. What's the difference? That's what we're trying to find out. We're trying to find out who killed him and where and with what. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. All right, I am. I'm shouting. I'm shouting. I'm shouting. BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin and together we're throwing it back to 1985 and Clue. So, um... Let's talk a little bit about the performances. I don't want to spend too much time on it, not because they're not good, but because they are really a classic ensemble cast. I don't think that um, any part of it necessarily works without the other ticking things, you know, kind of cogitating and moving along. Um, But it... So as you mentioned earlier, Sharmila, it's directed by Jonathan Lynn, who co-wrote it with John Landis. And then the cast is stacked. Um, there's Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, Martin Mulvesley and Warren Colleen Camp. They're, you know, just all of them packed into a house and doing crazy things. You're right that I can't pick out one person who I think was better than the other. Maybe at a stretch, Tim Curry holds everything together in a particular way. And he's always a delight to watch. But as an ensemble, as a group, um, I think this is such a perfect group of actors who's... um, Arvin, you talked about the subtlety of the body language and the physicality. The way the actors are able to respond to each other, the way the physicality of the comedy and and of everything that's happening, um, it's a thing of joy to watch. I was literally going to ask, like, who's your favorite character, like, for you guys? <laughs> because for, for me, it's like, it's easily Professor Plum. Um, Christopher Lloyd is like, like he, it's bizarre that that guy has been typecast as Doc Brown, because that man should have had, like, five times the career that he has in, in Hollywood, right? He's so funny. Um, everything about him is so funny. Everything he says and the delivery and the, the, the one-liners, um, all of it works. I think then followed by Colonel Mustard, and then Mrs. Peacock, and mm. then maybe Wadsworth, uh, Tim Curry. But yeah, Pro- Professor Plum has always been my favorite in this movie. Minus Mr. Green, Michael McKean. I yes, just, I just love him. I didn't do it. Uh, he's he's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he's my favorite partly because he's just like they're all awful. Um, <laughs> they are all awful. We should mention that, right? We're making it sound like they're just lovable, great characters. But the reason why they're all there and and you know able to be there is because they've all done horrible things and are inherently horrible people with strange secrets. And so, like 
in the midst of all that, I think Michael McKean plays Mr. Green with a particular frenetic, oppressed energy, <laughs> which I, I really quite like. And then, you know, Tim Curry is always great. I, I think that um, the... The reason why I, I spoke about them as an ensemble is because you really experience them as such. Um, sure, there are some monologues and there are some very famous monologues, in fact. But even that only works because you have the other things to play off of, that you've got a group of people all standing around kind of bouncing that energy back in the room. And, and it all really, really works. I did want to ask you both a question, which is, um, this movie is 97 minutes with the with all three endings. When it was first shown, I guess each screening would have been shorter by about, I want to say five minutes, maybe four, four to five minutes. So that means it would have brought it closer to 90. Um, do you wish the movie were longer? Uh, and hmm. by that, I don't mean that the ending and the exposition. I just mean, like, do we wish that the characters had more time to explain themselves or or talk things through? Or do we like it being what it is? To me, this was almost perfect in terms of runtime. I felt like if, if it was any longer, it might start collapsing on itself. Mm. I also miss this era where movies were just succinct, you know, um, because these days oh, movies 100%. go on forever. Um, 90 minutes to me was perfect for this. Same. Um, I think one of the reasons I've been able to watch it so many times, like over the years, is because it's so easy to consume. Like I can put it on and then it's still the afternoon when it's done. Like it's not it's not dragging into the <laughs> evening or tea time or whatever it is. Right? I don't have to put aside like two hours plus plus. Um, I, I think it's perfect. And I like not knowing too much about the characters. I think it makes them funnier. Um, like I don't want to get into like some dark history and make the whole thing a bit sad. Um, I, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy with it just being the way it is. I only bring it up because uh, one of the either Siskel or Ebert reviews mentioned that they felt that the characters always seemed interrupted, that um, it felt as if as they were getting into a flow of whatever it is that the character would be talking about, that they would be interrupted by some other character. And I was reflecting on that and thinking, that's part of the fun, right? Because they kind of drive each other up the wall. It's why none of them are particularly sad to see someone else die. It's more like, oh no, will I be blamed for this? <laughs> it's the general vibe, more so than, oh no, a human life has been lost. So I, I didn't mind it, um, but I again think that this is something that you get from watching it after 30 odd years. And that if you were watching it in the cinema at the time, you might have been like, my God, complete a sentence. So it's one of those weird time elapsing and you watch it and it's different kind of experiences, I feel. I also think that again, remembering it as a kid, I didn't notice these things, right? Mm. So it is a it's an odd beast, Clue, I Partly because, again, that thing about who did they intend to make it for is never quite clear. For themselves, I think. It feels like right? it, right? Yeah. It's almost like, oh, we're huge nerds. We love Clue. And then we have the IP. So let's do it. Or maybe you're supposed to sell the board game. I'm not sure. Because I enjoyed it. I didn't bother about any of the stuff that Siskel and Ebert um, complained about when I was a child. And then now, 30 years later, I'm watching it in such a different lens. I think it also helps with the the platform fluidity that this movie has. Like you said, like Shamila said, uh, that it's a very good uh, TV movie. Um, I think it's it's a it's a good movie for any platform, which is very surprising. And I can't think of a lot of movies that have 
that kind of fluidity because I watched it first on, on VHS and then on either VCD or DVD, I can't remember. I've watched it on Astro, sometimes on Astro with ads in the middle of the movie and it still worked. <laughs> like it still worked so well. Um, I also think this is the perfect like in-flight movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's so easy to watch on a plane. So the, and the runtime, watching think, it just clips on YouTube is also tremendously fun. Yes. Also, yes. also perfect. So good. Uh I, I think sometimes we use the word caper lightly. Um, you know, people talking about movies use the word caper to describe anything that has like a car and witty repartee. But uh, Clue really is a caper. Uh, it has that quality to it. It's I, I said this word earlier, I'll just use it again. It's really madcap. It just goes from one space to the next, one scenario to the next very, very quickly. And it doesn't really care if you're keeping up. I, I think that's part of its charm. It's just like, yeah, you get it or you don't. Anyway, we're moving on. <laughs> and you're like, all right. <laughs> no, there's a very particular scene actually where I was just like, all right, and I'm just giving up. I don't really know who did what and how they got here. There's a pleasure in watching the performance, yes. not in understanding Yes, it. and yeah. it's fine. Actually, it doesn't matter because in the end, it all works out. For me, it happens during like one of the endings. I I honestly cannot remember which one. Like halfway through that ending, I'm like, yeah, okay, I've lost the plot. I think you've lost the plot. I don't know if the movie knows what it's doing, but I'm just going to go along with it. Because like you said, it's so fun. It's just, it's so fun watching them like uh, deflect and squirm and try to get out of the situation. They're such good performers, like all of them. We've been talking today about Clue, uh, which first came out in 1985. Uh, let us know, have you watched it yet? Do you plan to? If you've seen it, did you like it? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. And of course, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.